All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Terry Lynn here with Travis Marziani. Today we are going to talk about how to use data to tighten your conversions for your e-commerce store. So Travis, how's it going? It's going pretty good. I'm back at home right now. So I've been in Vegas for the last few months, but right now I'm back in Santa Clarita and just just working on the course. So for anyone listening that doesn't know, I'm going to be releasing a, a e-commerce course pretty soon. It's called the 25K e-commerce profit plan and it's coming out April 1st. And no, it's not an April fool's joke. It was just a good day to release it because it's a Friday and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it is available for pre-sale right now. I'm, I'm have it at uh, pre-sale at $97, which is way cheaper than it should be. It's going up to 247 on April 1st. So make sure you go get it. And the first 25 people that get it, I'm going to give a free one-on-one 30-minute consultation with. So that's my little plug. But yep, that's pretty much all I'm doing right now is working on that course. Yeah, it's funny. I got a message from Travis before we started. He's like, oh my God, like I've been working on the course for like 16 hours a day and it's so much work and I'm totally underpricing it. So, you know, it'll, yeah. it, it'll be good. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why, but I thought it would be a lot easier to do. I think I, I think part part of the problem is I have too many modules and too much, basically too much content in it because it's how to go from just an idea all the way to quote unquote, you know, 25K profit a year, which means there's got to be a lot of stuff in there. So that was a mistake, but it was a good mistake. Yeah, but, but, but it's a, it shows you like the info side of things and the physical product side of things. It's like a different space, essentially, even though it's all online. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I really wanted to, like, I kept coming up with new ideas. I'm like, oh, I should add a, you know, a section about spotlight marketing and I should add another thing about, you know, off page SEO and PR. And then before you know it, I was like, oh, this is going to be really big, but whatever. That's okay. Yeah. All right. So for me, uh, Instagram accounts at 10K finally hit that landmark after I think six months or so. Second accounts at 4K. Uh, funny thing is, so actually I haven't told anyone this, so it's going to be, I'm going to repurpose these accounts for a new store I'm working on. Uh, I think I, I didn't even tell Travis until we just started recording. So uh, more info on that probably in the next few weeks. Uh, just been an idea I've been testing for the past two, three months or so, but haven't been really telling anyone because I want to make sure that it was something I was actually going to do rather than, you know, because like, so when you have a podcast, you say you're going to do this and then you don't do it, you get called out. You're like, you look like kind of like a poser. So I want to keep it under the down note until it was something I was ready to commit to. And I think at this stage, it's looking good. So uh, we'll see how things go. And I'll tell you guys more about it next time since uh, it's kind of a topic in itself. So, already, so using data time convergence. So today we actually have three or four big points. Uh, these, this is kind of from Travis's course, so we're gonna just kind of go through some high-level stuff since we know a lot of listeners here have stores, so we wanna keep you guys uh, kind of with some good content uh, within the course since I don't know if you guys will need it, but here's some stuff that will be included. So number one, I would go through some analytics. So. Yeah, sure. And so just to clarify upon what Terry was saying in the course, there's like three main sections. The first section is getting up your website. Second section, second section is driving traffic. And third is using the data that you've collected to tighten up conversions. So this is basically an excerpt from that last third section. And last side note about this, I promise, I didn't say where you can go to get the course. Go to effectiveecommerce.com and you'll see the course. You can get it there. So let's jump into the real meat and content here. Yeah, so the first one with tightening up your conversions is look at your Google Analytics data. By the time you do this, you're going to have a decent amount of data. You're going to have a decent amount of traffic that's been coming to your website. So what you're going to want to do, obviously, is go into your Google Analytics. And the first thing I like to look at at least is what what sources of traffic are you getting the most traffic from what what sources meaning like is it google organic is it facebook is it you know product listing ads adwords and the real important part about figuring that out is if you see that you're putting uh, you know a lot of work into for instance facebook and you're getting almost no traffic from it 
maybe it's time to cut that and really just focus on the the sources that are getting you the most traffic. You know what I mean? And this is just before like, you know, if your sales is the same across the board on each channel or well, um, so I'm, I'm assuming your sales aren't the same across yeah, the board. Yeah, because it, would, it wouldn't be, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's actually going to go into the, the next point, which is, so I'll just, the next point is look at what sources are converting the most. So generally speaking, nine times out of 10, the places that you're getting the most traffic from are also where you're getting the most conversions from. But sometimes that's obviously not the case. So the first step, I think, is to figure out where you're getting traffic from. And if it's something that you're not putting that much effort into and you're getting a lot of traffic, I'll give you an example to make this a little bit more clear. Uh, our Pinterest, we barely work at all at Pinterest and we're getting a decent amount of traffic from it, which tells me that I need to start putting a little bit more effort into Pinterest, spend, put a little bit more effort into converting Pinterest traffic and a little bit more effort into you know, all that kind of stuff. Now, yeah. So when would the breakoff point be for you if Pinterest wasn't converting anything? Would you give it like three months or what's like your metrics to track if say Pinterest you were going to focus on that because I think because I think that's the thing too it's like a lot of people like all right I'm going to focus on this but like you don't really go in with a specific metric on like a pass or fail thing after x amount of time and kind of you just end up like throwing darts until something works right because there is a thing where like you got to keep hacking at it until it works but there's also the point where like all right when is the point where this channel isn't right for me well so there's a couple different things I guess I'd say with that so are you're, you're assuming that like I'm getting traffic from let's say pinterest but it's just not converting yeah i mean is so, it, is it so converting maybe, for you right now or well so it's converting in the sense of email signups so something like yeah and i think you need to keep that in mind with like pinterest or a lot of times facebook it's not gonna be they come and they purchase right away no no because uh, it's so top of the funnel that everyone's just in discovery mode too so so i guess how do you track it in your email do you have like a tag that people get added to when they come from pinterest or utm tagging or uh, yeah, yeah. So basically, it's all UTM tagging. I can see, you know, how many people are coming to my website and how many of them are signing up for the email in return. So th I mean, that's one of the big things that I do. I I think there's a little bit of an art to it. Like I know it'd be great to have an exact number, but you have to be able to look at it and say, is there are they at the top of the funnel? So someone coming in from Pinterest, should I keep working on this? Yeah, probably because you know you're getting that exposure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, I guess it means that your middle of the funnel needs to be tight. Too. Like if you're getting people into emails, like your email marketing has to be tight. Otherwise, you're just gathering subscribers and not really doing anything. Right? Like if you know that your email is converting at what, you know, $5 per subscriber or whatever, then you know, you know, every 100 people you dump in, you get 500 bucks and then you just do that all day, basically. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, the next point is kind of look at what sources of traffic you're getting the most conversions from, like percentage wise. So for instance, for me, product listing ads, I'm getting, you know, a huge percentage conversion rate. It's one of the highest converting traffic sources I have. So at that point, I'd say, all right, how can I get more traffic from product listing ads? Which there's a couple different ways you can do it. You can add more products uh, that you're advertising for, or you could... You could raise your bids. I mean, there's a couple different things you could do like that. So that's the next thing I think that's really important to do is see where is traffic that's actually converting coming from and try to spend a little bit more time focusing on those sources. Is this a nut I'm still trying to crack for a client store that we haven't had any luck yet just because I think like they're a really new brand and I think for like women's fashion stuff, no one's really searching for obscure brands. And if you target generic keywords, there's really not much like you know, like intent there because they're just looking for that category in general. Whereas like if you're, 
you know, like Tiffany's, like people know that when you type in Tiffany's and coat, you're looking for Tiffany's coat and ring. But if you just type in like diamond ring, you're kind of like, oh, like anything goes, right? So it's like as a new, I think I think maybe for fashion, it's a little bit trickier, but maybe it's just, you know, we're still trying to figure this out. And so well, so where, where are the conversions coming from currently? Uh, there's one category of product that's converted, but uh, mostly they're selling on like Etsy and Amazon in their own store. Uh, I mean, on their own like marketplace stores. So on their actual website, though, I mean, are there any like, are they making any money off the website or nothing? Yeah, yeah, but it's just really small though, like because like they're not they're not really doing anything in SEO because they don't have the time to do that. Uh, they're doing some stuff on social. So we tried some uh, Google Shopping stuff, but I feel like no, like we get like a thousand, we got like two thousand impressions this month and only like one percent click through rate. So, but so my my point though, or my question, I guess, is the people that are buying, where are they coming from? Uh, well, I, I don't have access to their Etsy or Amazon account, so I don't know. No, I mean like, like on their actual website, like through the Google Analytics, yeah. like oh, the it's people through are- referral traffic. So there's one or two blogs that featured them in the last two months that they got a lot of sales from. How do you get basically. featured on more blogs, right? I mean, yeah. that's it. Sounds like the paid ads aren't working. It looks like the referral traffic is working. I was gonna say with fashion, the people that I know that have done it well, they they find like niche websites that have has the same demographics and they either they pay for uh, reviews or they pay for banner ads or they, you know, there's a couple different things they can do or email blasts. Yeah. Cause it's, cause it's such an image thing where I think organic search doesn't have the social proof of someone endorsing it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a big thing too, which maybe, you know, I just need to tell them, Hey, you know, just dump some money into this and see what happens. Cause nothing else that seems to be working so far. Yeah, I've known a few different people that have fashion brands that, that use exactly that method of going to influential blogs. I mean, they don't have to be huge, like, you know, whatever, 10,000 readers a month and say, hey, here's a, some free clothing items. Do you mind reviewing for us? Yeah, so, I think fashion is one of those things where, like, you're not cool unless someone says you're cool. Yeah. And, like, if you just hawk about yourself on your website, it's kind of like, well, why isn't someone famous wearing your stuff if you're that good? Or, like, or like some blog doesn't have to be that big, but, like, it looks it just looks better to have someone say you're good and stuff too. So yeah, we'll have to revisit this uh, at the end of the month too with them when we have our monthly call. So anyways, kind of off topic, uh, let's go back to what exit pages and landing pages. Yeah. So I, I'll do these ones quickly. The, the top exit pages, basically in Google analytics, you can see where are you losing the most people, maybe certain product pages. A lot of people are going to that product page and then immediately leaving, which means that either you need to tighten up your funnel on that product page, or maybe you have like a misspelling or something weird going on that's driving people away. Uh, on the same hand, what pages to your, what are your top landing pages? And for me, for instance, I've told this story before, but for me, for instance, one of my top landing pages, I had no idea, was this colors page. There was just a big page with a bunch of swatches of colors, and I didn't realize, but I was getting, I'd, I'd say probably like you know, 20, 30% of my organic traffic was going to this page that wasn't selling anything. So what I did is I just added some items to the top of it. So saying like, you know, are you looking for high waist dance shorts? Click here. Are you looking for jazz pants? Click here. Because people were searching for things like, violet high-waist dance shorts and they were landing on this page that just showed a bunch of swatches and one of the swatches happened to be violet so google's like hey this is probably related so what i basically did is i realized all right i'm getting a ton of traffic to this page how do i increase conversions and by adding those items at the top people were able to find what they want much easier and the conversion rate like shot through the roof on that page so in terms of landing pages i saw in your blog you recently did like a 2016 dance teams roundup post or like a so how is that working out compared to the last year one? And has there been any pushback? Oh, we didn't get featured this year or blah, blah, blah. 
No, no. So that, that's funny because originally when I was planning on doing it back, because you know this is the second time I did it, but back in 2015, before I ever did it, I told someone that I wanted to do it. That's like in the dance world. And it was a, you know, it was a choreographer, a guy that's a choreographer. And he's like, no, don't do that. Like, are you crazy? And he's like, that's, you know, that's, why, you gonna... to, that, that's why you have to do it. Cause you get yeah, to... <laughs> exactly. That's what I told him. I'm like, you're not a marketer, dude. I'm like, that's great if it pisses people off because they'll share it. No, but the funny thing is people that aren't, they, they weren't featured in it are really nice. They're like, oh, you know, you might not have heard about us, but I promise we're really good. Or they just like, they talk about how great they are. None of them get pissed off. Uh, so this year, I think I'd have to look at the exact numbers. I think last year for the month, it got 25 or, you know, probably about, let's say 25,000 people. This year, it got about 30,000 people. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, you know, that's just one month. I'm sure that's going to keep going throughout the year, but it did better this year than it did last year. For well, sure. well, it's helpful for someone that's looking for a team too, right? Like if you're just a good dancer, you want to find a team. Well, someone has a list for you to kind of start looking for. I mean, I mean, you would probably know who are the best teams, but it gives you a kind of bigger list to go through also. And yeah, I mean, it is throughout the United States. So it's like if you're in, you know, Wyoming, you're not coming out to LA for one of the best studios. Though, who knows? Maybe some people are. I don't yeah, you know. Never, you never know, right? Yeah. But it's funny yeah. how that guy was scared. Do something because you're like you're like you're like the U.S. election now with like Donald Trump saying like you know stuff that pisses people off every week and like he's he's getting all this free media and in some ways like, like you know if you do this and some people are pissed off like it's just more people talking about you. I know, and this is this, that's totally off topic, but I, I I see it all the time where people are like, oh Donald Trump, you know, making fun of Donald Trump and this and that. I'm like, I'm you like realize do you, do you, you just, realize what you're doing? Like you're actually helping him by talking about him, how stupid he is. Like whatever. You, like I don't have an opinion on anything right now because I live overseas. But it's just like when people like post about how stupid X person said. I'm like, well, you're just getting free marketing for them too in this day and age by posting it on Facebook. Like the algorithm's gonna see this is trending and then it's gonna get to more people and then. And I'm just like, I just shake my head. I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I guess uh, back on topic, I guess one thing that I was talking about is a uh, bounce rate, right? So one thing I realized the other day was that uh, if you have a page that's bouncing like at 80% and if you can bring it to like 40, you're basically not doubling your traffic, but you're keeping twice the amount of people on your site. Whereas if you had that 80% bounce rate, you would have to double your traffic on that page to get the same result. So a lot of this um, stuff isn't like maybe more traffic, but also keeping uh, more traffic on your site and putting them through your funnel too. So uh, one thing I think that's kind of helpful is if you look at your in-page analytics on certain pages, uh, they, there's an icon that tells you how many percent of people scroll past the fold, I think. Uh, and then from there, you can kind of see where you can optimize your page with Optimizely and things like that, which is what we're actually going to talk about next. Yeah. So, I mean, Optimizely, so this was actually, I'll, I'll tell a quick story that I think is kind of related to this entire topic. I have a, a guy in one of the masterminds who came to me and he was kind of upset because he's run, he just started running product listing ads. Let's say he's been doing it for about a month and he's like, you know, I'm breaking even. He's like, I'm spending, you know, a thousand dollars and then I'm making a, a, a gross profit on my products on, on the sales of a thousand dollars. But then of course he's got to pay off the, the advertising fee. So he's making nothing. And I'm like, dude, that is awesome you're breaking even already. So like with some tweaks, you're going to be able to make it profitable. That's the same thing that's happening here with Google Analytics, Optimizely, and the next topic we'll talk about after this. But so with Optimizely, what you're basically doing is kind of like what you were talking about before with just getting more traffic to convert on your website. It's not always a matter of going out and trying to get new traffic. Sometimes it's just a matter of taking the traffic you're already do getting 
and increasing the conversion rate. For instance, it, yeah, I mean, and, and I think conversion rate isn't always a sale. Depending, like if they first get your site, you want to keep them on your site. Once you get them on your site, you want to get them like in your email or to do some action. You want, and then from there, it's like to buy. it doesn't always have to be like buying right away. But like, I think there's different stages within a quote conversion on your site that you should be wary of. So maybe like bounce rate is just in split testing is something that people know they should do, but they just don't put enough attention to it. And that could have a big impact. Whereas like, you know, if you keep chasing the sale, you're probably missing out some quicker wins is what we're talking about basically. Absolutely. And so here's some different tips for actually setting up split testing. Uh, this works with Optimizely. It works with a lot of different split testers. The only one I've ever used is Optimizely, which is pretty easy to set up. But one of the biggest things I see that people make a mistake on is they split test something on their homepage when that's not going to really increase conversion rates because it's too top of the funnel. The closer to checkout you can get, the better. Like So if you can get someone like right before they're about to check out and split test you know, the button location or something like that, that's better because that one little thing is going to make a big difference on whether or not they'll actually check out. Or if you change something on the homepage, there's so many more steps before they actually check out that it, it's not going to have a huge effect on average on your conversion percentage changing. Because yeah, when someone goes to your homepage, you're like, well, um, you know, it's like, what is this store about? Like, who is this store? Do I even, are they even interested to me? So like, it's still high, kind of high in the funnel in some ways. And so one, one thing I think that's useful is that um, I think there's funnel visualization in Google Analytics. I forgot, I think it's in, I forgot what section it is, but it, there's a way you can visually pull all the data from like homepage, category page, product page, checkout, thank you, and like order confirmation. And you can see at what stage each people drop off because it tells you like how many visitors go from this one to the next one and like how many leave and then what exit pages go. And that's like a good way to start kind of figuring out where you can plug things into, essentially. Yeah, you can set that up in under conversions, under goals, if that's what you're talking about. There's probably, a, there's probably another way yeah, you're talking about. I, I think about. it's goals first, but then it pulls it into a funnel diagram. Yeah, I, funnel, I, yeah, funnel visualization. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I think you need to set it up, or is it, might be a different one, a goal yeah, flow or something. Yeah, you need to set up each stage as a goal, and then it'll pull all the data visually for you after that. Uh, so that, so then, if you see a lot of people are dropping off from like you know, your product page to checkout, it's much bigger than say homepage or category. Like you should start there, right? It makes sense to do that. Uh, whereas like if there's a big like just look for the big gaps that you can fill first, closest to the I mean, bottom. I think one thing that you could potentially do, uh, not to kind of contradict what I just said, but on your homepage you can test the ability to go to a convert, uh, go to a product page. So you can say, all right, originally, you know, 10% of people land on my homepage and they go to a product page. How can I increase that to 15%? And then on your product page, you can say, or on your category page, you can say, how, how can I increase people going to my product page? And then on your product page, you say, how can I increase people adding to cart? So obviously if you want to make this easier on yourself, the closer to the funnel, the better, but you could split test every step along the way if you want to, and you know, really increase your conversions. Yeah, a lot of stuff uh, you can always do. All right, so I guess uh, one thing to kind of throw into is the search bar and what it says. So what's the deal with this one? Yeah, so there's a couple different things that you can do with the search bar. A lot of people, I didn't think so, but I guess a lot of people use the search bar when they're ready to buy. I don't ever use the search bar except for like an Amazon. Like with my own site, with bdancer.com, I figured no one's going to use it because I thought that navigation was easy enough to use. We don't have that many products. There's no reason to really search. Turns out that's not the case. The search bar is actually pretty important. And I've heard some people, some e-commerce store owners say that 
the percentage of people that search on their website that are likely to buy, like people that search on their website are way more likely to buy than people that don't use the search. So I've seen people have it so the search bar follows people as they scroll up and down the page. And then another thing that you can do that I've seen that I, I haven't done yet, but I plan on doing is, you know how like where it says like in the search bar, it'll say like search or like enter your search here, like the little like default text. You can try different things. Like you can put, for instance, um, like a brief on what they might want to say. So for instance, I might say, enter your dance clothing search here, or I could say dance shorts, comma, dance pants, comma, whatever you want, or something like kind of interesting that's eye-catching and make them be a little bit more like, hmm, yeah, I will use this search bar actually. Yeah, or like click here to search what you're looking for or something or like some CTR that you can just get the data into, right? Because then you can use that data to like see, all right, oh, people are searching for this keyword and then stuff like that too for your internal search results and then optimize it from there. Yeah. Absolutely, that too. But I mean, the default text, you can try out different default text that what it says to encourage people to use it, basically. Yeah. One thing I realized, too, I think this may be more useful for stores with like bigger product selections. Right? Like if you have like, you know, 10 products, it's not really, I mean, maybe people will search for it, but I feel like if you have like a thousand, it's much more, relatively speaking, it's much more useful than a store with only like a few products. I, I agree. I don't have a ton of products, I yeah. didn't think, but like I still get a lot of people using my search bar. So, I mean, you might be surprised. Like, I don't know if you have it set up on your website with like the wallets, but I think a lot of people, they don't want to do the work of looking. They're just like, just just find it for me kind of thing. Alrighty, so uh, we're going to hit this again. Uh, 80-20 VIPs and whales. So we've talked about this in the past, but it's such a big topic that we need to hit it again, I think, just in case people forget. So yeah, I, I mean, there's two parts of this too. The, what, the part that we didn't talk about is the 80-20 of where your problems are coming from. But just to reiterate, I think the real meat of it is figuring out like in your own customer database, like looking through exporting as a CSV, that's at least how I do it, like your customers and seeing which customers are giving you the, the most money. Uh, where are they coming from? Basically, you know, I, I don't know how in depth we should go on this, but basically figuring out what customers have in common that are spending a lot of money from like with you and trying to optimize that as much as you possibly can. Yeah, like we talked about like looking at your order history, finding a threshold that makes sense. Uh, maybe you can pull those emails, do a lookalike audience, all this other stuff. Um, you know, how do you take that demographic of people that have bought from you and extrapolate it some more too, essentially? Yeah, and I'll just give the example I've given a hundred times, but just in case anyone hasn't heard it, for me, it's dance studios. Dance studios spend a ton of money with me. So even if a dance studio has never spent a dime with me, if they... If I, if I know of a dance studio, I'm going to really try to use all my marketing efforts to get them. And just as another reiteration for anyone that hasn't heard it, what I do is someone spends over $250, I write them, or I don't write them, I have one of my employees write them a handwritten note thanking them. And we also give them a call uh, right after they order just to make sure they're going to get their order in time. And then about a month later, just to see how their order turned out, like did they like everything? And then the funny thing about that, I don't know if I've ever said this on here, we've had a couple different people that when we call that like, hey, how was your, you know, how was the order? Did everything fit all right? They're like, oh yeah, everything was amazing. By the way, I want to place an order. I almost forgot. And they place the order right on that spot, which is just awesome. So I think that's important to do. Yeah. So would their first order be like a trial order or they just needed more product? Well, so the way it usually works if we're calling them, the first order, they just, I mean, they ordered with us and it was over $250. Like they don't know, it wasn't purposely like a, a trial order, I guess. Um, but it's just like, you know, it's like anything you buy, you, you try it 
out. Like, I don't think in their head they're like, all right, we're going to try this out, see how it goes. But they tried it and they liked it enough that they wanted to come back. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. And so the second part, 80-20% of 80-20 of your problems. This is actually another big one that I don't think we talked about in the 80-20 episode. But looking at basically, there's, there's a couple different ways to do this. Like looking at what are you spending like, well what things are taking like 80% of your time in your business and how can you eliminate them? So I'll give some examples. There's certain types of clients um, within our business that just aren't worth our time. So like we'll get some people that complain and they tend to be the people that buy very small quantities and they'll, they'll, you know, order from us and they'll complain and they'll just be a pain in the butt. And we have this, you know, phrase internally, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. You know, we say we're going to 80, 20 them. If they're like a real pain in the, like if they're a real pain in the butt customer, and they're not like providing any real value, they're not a dance studio, they're not anything, then we basically, we write them off and we say, all right, I mean, we're still going to take care of them and we're still going to honor everything that we say we're going to do, but we're not going to bend over for them. Like as opposed to if it's a dance studio, we'll bend over backwards, we'll get their order out like early, we'll do everything we can. So, I mean, I think it's figuring out what is the 80-20 of your problems in your business. And also, you know, where are you spending time that's just a waste of time? That's a, a big thing, I think, for everyone. That's something I'm still struggling with is figuring out what am I actually doing that makes sense and what am I doing that's just like a waste of my time? Yeah, I think an easy way to do this is like you write out all your problems and then you look at the list and you're like, all right, which one or two of these will make three or five of these go away or a lot easier to deal with? Essentially, and then you can quickly narrow down. All right, this this is maybe this is important, but the bigger problem is actually this. And then, you know, I'll take this guy out, and then the other, and then you're hitting like two or three things with one stone, which is basically what you're trying to eighty twenty to do with too. So um, kind of when you write it all out, and then you look at which ones make it easier or make other problems easier, then you know, it yeah, sets you on the right path. And I think the point of this whole episode's been that if you have a store that's making any kind of money you're at a great place. Like I catch myself every once in a while thinking like, you know, oh, my e-commerce store isn't making as much money as it should be. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That's awesome. It's making money, period. Like I should, I should be happy and then I should use that data and try to figure out how to make more money, how to make it more profitable. Yeah, exactly. So I guess that's it for this episode. Uh, kind of some tips on using data to uh, optimize and tighten your conversions. And also uh, Travis's course is coming out April 1st. Uh, if you need more info on that to get started, effectiveecommerce.com. And uh, that's it for this episode. Thanks, guys.